Welcome to Cut the Noise this week for December 11th, 2017. I'm Curtis Lindemann. Here are our stories this week. Quantum computers are being deemed as security risks by experts. Ransomware incidents are up by nearly 2,000% in two years and apparently being used by the new cyber mafia as a hit business. Most retailers haven't tested their breach response plans even as the number of incidents continues to rise. Bitcoin mining is guzzling energy as its carbon footprint continues to grow. And a look back at the history of text messaging, which turned 25 years old last week. That, and we'll cover a follow-up to a recent story about the Uber hacking incident and how they justified covering their tracks with the man found to be responsible. Let's get started. Wired Magazine published an article on December 7th, 2017, in which it claims that quantum computers are being deemed security risks by experts. Nearly all computing devices in use today, including your desktop, laptop, and mobile phone, leverage a binary system in which each bit being used for computation can only have two values, commonly represented as zero or one. Quantum computers leverage something called a qubit, which can effectively exist as a zero, a one, or any quantum superposition of those two states. In other words, it's kind of like the Schrodinger's cat problem, in which a cat's in the box, and the cat can be either dead or alive, and it's actually considered to be in both states until the box is opened and you observe which state the cat is in. Because of this property, quantum computers can factor large numbers much more efficiently than classical computers. Unfortunately, large number factoring is the foundation of current encryption technologies. In October, Google announced that by the end of this year, it expects to be at a point at which quantum computers can outperform classical computers, a point which is also known as quantum supremacy. It is expected we are less than a decade away from quantum computers rendering today's most sophisticated encryption technology useless. Once mastered, this technology could be used by rogue states and other bad actors to impact our financial, healthcare, and other critical systems if we don't take action. On the plus side, quantum computing is expected to help make significant advances in far-reaching areas like cancer research and astrophysics. Because of its impact, experts are calling for the U.S. government to show leadership in this field of computing. It's expected that the effort to solve this problem is no less daunting than that of the Y2K problem, for which it took more than five years and half a trillion dollars for companies and governments to be prepared. Quantum computing is being compared to the splitting of the atom by some. While its effects aren't as visual as a mushroom cloud, the impact of this rapidly developing technology is expected to be as far-reaching. <coughs> Malwarebytes published a white paper last week that states the new generation of cyber criminals is increasingly resembling traditional mafia organizations, requiring a new approach to dealing with the problem. According to the report, cybercriminals are working in professional organizations similar to the mafia gangs of the 1930s, including the willingness to intimidate and paralyze victims. The analysis also shows that in spite of acknowledging the severe reputational and financial risks of cybercrime, many business leaders greatly underestimate their vulnerability to such attacks. One approach is for businesses and consumers to fight back by acting as cyber vigilantes through greater collective awareness, knowledge sharing, and proactive defenses. This includes a shift from shaming businesses that have been hacked to engaging with them and working together to fix the problem. Detections are up almost 2,000% since 2015, reaching hundreds of thousands of detections in September 2017 versus 16,000 in September 2015. Just in 2017 alone, ransomware detections rose from over 90,000 in January to over 333,000 in October. 
The report classified these cybervillains into four categories, which included traditional gangs, which act as organized crime rings that have taken their traditional model of theft, the sale of drugs, guns, and stolen goods to the online world. State-sponsored attackers, which have the aim of stealing information and disrupting political activity, similar to what was speculated to occur during the United States 2016 elections. Ideological hackers, which gather and leak classified information on governments and high-profile organizations. These are people that are leaking sensitive information from the NSA and other organizations. And hackers for hire, who are essentially paid guns for hire, operating as a service on what is called the dark web. While the impact of these attacks has been highly publicized, it's clear that many business leaders do not fully recognize the impact of these attacks. 74% of business stakeholders surveyed in one recent report by PwC reported that they had not been or did not know they had been hacked. In a different survey, between 21% and 35% of CIOs, IT managers, and CISOs said they had not been hacked in another survey. The article goes on to state that the culture in the boardroom is to view hacking as a problem for IT and not so much of a business problem. However, to truly fix this problem, leaders need to take this more seriously and view this as a business problem and invest in people, process, and tools to mitigate and ultimately combat the serious issue of cybercrime. Tripwire.com published an article on December 3, 2017, in which it stated that most retailers haven't fully tested their breach response plans. Tripwire surveyed IT security professionals working in retail organizations about their experiences and attitudes towards IT security. The results found that a large majority are not fully prepared for data breaches this holiday season. Only 28% of respondents said that they have a fully tested plan in place in the event of a security breach. Even fewer professionals, about 15%, said that they were fully prepared to manage customer and press communications following an incident. To flip this around, about 72% of IT security professionals from the retail industry say that their companies don't have a fully tested plan to address a security breach. All of this runs counter to the General Data Protection Regulation, also known as GDPR, which in May of 2018 begins the financial penalty phase for non-compliance. GDPR can run as high as 4% of a company's revenues. Based on these results, a vast majority of surveyed retail organizations are in a bad spot when it comes to being protected from a consumer breach which is bad news for consumers. You can find more details from this Tripwire survey, including the categorized responses in the notes for this podcast. Wired.com published an article last week entitled Bitcoin Mining Guzzles Energy and Its Carbon Footprint Keeps Growing. Bitcoin had a lot of attention last week as it went from $10,000 to just over $18,000 per coin in just a few days. This is up from roughly the $1,000 valuation it had at the beginning of the year. If you had bought $100 in Bitcoin back in 2011, it would be worth nearly $4 million today. This sort of crazy rise in valuation is stunning, but Bitcoin was not intended to be an investment instrument when it was created. The creators of Bitcoin envisioned it as a replacement for money itself to be used as a decentralized, secure, and anonymous method of transferring value between people. What they likely didn't account for was how much energy it would take to run the computer network behind Bitcoin as it grew in the future. The tremendous growth of cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin has created an exponential demand for computing power to keep up. As Bitcoin grows, the math problems the computers must solve become increasingly more difficult. 
Today it's estimated that each Bitcoin transaction requires the same amount of energy used to power about nine homes in the US for one day. The aggregate computing power of the Bitcoin network is nearly 100,000 times as large as the world's fastest 500 supercomputers combined. If you want to get a flavor for that, check out our podcast from November 20th. The total energy use of this hardware is huge, estimated to be about 31 terawatt hours per year. More than 150 individual countries in the world consume less than that in a single year. In just a few months from now, at Bitcoin's current growth rate, it's estimated that the electricity required by the cryptocurrency network will start to outstrip what's currently available in the supply. This means that new energy generating plants will be required to keep up. Further estimates indicate that by July 2019, the Bitcoin network will require more energy than the entire United States currently uses. And by February 2020, it will use as much electricity as the entire world does today. Obviously, this is unsustainable, and there are several efforts underway to reform how the Bitcoin network processes transactions that will hopefully reduce the burden on the world's energy grid. The question that remains at this point is, by how much? And now our fun one for the week. Texting is 25 years old. The first text message was sent on December 3, 1992, by British engineer Neil Papworth to Richard Jarvis, an executive at British Telecom Vodafone. Typed out on a PC, it was sent to Jarvis's Orbital 901, a mobile phone that would take up most of your laptop backpack. Back in those days, we called them bag phones. Although Papworth sent the first text, he's not the so-called father of SMS. SMS stands for the Short Messaging Service and is the text messaging service that mobile phones use today. That honor falls to Maddie Mackinnon, who initially suggested the idea back in 1984 at a telecommunications conference. Text messaging didn't take off overnight. It first had to be incorporated into the then-budding GSM standard, which was the protocol used back in the day for cell phones to talk to one another. Mackinnon feels that the technology was actually launched in 1994 when Nokia unveiled its Model 2010 mobile phone. It was the first device that let people easily write messages. Today, nearly 97% of smartphone owners use text messaging, according to Pew Research. And in my opinion, the other 3% are liars. Along the way, sublanguages based on abbreviations and keyboard-based imagery, called emojis, have evolved. Today, about 18.7 billion texts are sent every day by one estimate. Texting has become so popular that Americans would rather type it than say it. My kids won't even pick up the phone when I call them, but they'll answer a text. U.S. smartphone consumers are sending and receiving at least five times as many texts compared to the number of phone calls each day. Happy birthday, texting. And now to follow up on previous stories. In an update to the Uber hacking scandal in which Uber covered up the exposure of 57 million users' personal information, it was discovered that a 20-year-old Florida man was responsible for the breach. Uber used its so-called Bug Bounty program to justify paying the man to cover up the event. The Bug Bounty program is normally used to identify small code vulnerabilities and pay those relatively small sums of money to compensate for the help, generally between $5,000 and $10,000 per incident. In this particular instance, the man was paid $100,000 to destroy the information. Uber stated that it made the payment through the program and verified that it had the man sign a non-disclosure agreement. 
They also stated that they conducted a forensic analysis of the man's computer to ensure that all of the data was erased. Thank you for joining us this week. Cut the Noise was recorded at Round Tower Global Headquarters in the Kenwood Tower, located in Cincinnati, Ohio. Audio is mixed and edited by Vince Lombardo. Music by Mike Carroll. I'm Curtis Lindemann. This has been Cut the Noise Weekly Edition.